Welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Sam Spike, co-founder of JPEG, the new media curation protocol, and curator of Fingerprints Now. So welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you, Brian. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really delighted to talk to you about the work that you're doing. A ton of different people recommended that I talk to you when I started reaching out and figuring out who was important in the space. I'm really excited to get your perspective on what's happening in this new area of art on, on the blockchain. But by way of prefacing the conversation, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in, in digital art and specifically this kind of transition of certain kinds of digital art to a kind of new blockchain environment. Of course. Well, my background falls originally in the traditional art world. Um, worked for a number of years at arts organizations in uh, the UK, where I'm based, and in the, in the US, where I'm a citizen. Um, and they were largely non-profit um, organizations, uh, particularly in the, within the museum sector. But I've also worked for galleries here in London, a uh, short period working at Sotheby's uh, in London. Last year, during sort of the, the height of the pandemic, I was largely working uh, freelance, uh, doing uh, sort of exhibitions and uh, writing for a number of different people in London. And uh, principally, also, most of my focus was going to an exhibition at a museum in uh, Cambridge here in the UK at the Fitzwilliam Museum, which is sort of the art museum of the University of Cambridge. And then uh, came kind of the New Year's period. And strangely, as an American citizen, I've been very invested in the US election. And as part of that, I'd started putting money on the election. And I've been going through British bookmakers, but I also was introduced to a sort of prediction market platform that ran on the blockchain called Polymarket, uh, where I was able to bet on the on the outcome of the presidential race and on some of the Senate races. And so I was doing that around the around sort of October, November. And that was the gateway for me to remember about NFTs, uh, which I'd been introduced to back in 2019 by a friend of mine who works uh, for a, uh, a crypto company and has done for a very long time. Um, I'd never really looked into it properly. And when I started doing so, I was just really fascinated by uh, what I saw was going on. There's these kind of markets for digital artworks that were of a very particular kind. Um, it wasn't the kind of work and the kind of media that I was accustomed to dealing with in my capacity as a kind of art historian or as a curator, but it was clearly something very interesting happening and I wanted to be involved. So the, what I did was I spoke to an artist whom I knew who's made photographs that I thought were quite appropriate to the format. And we started working together to develop some new work, promote the work, sell the work. Um, and I was acting really as his agent or as his gallerist. And I was doing a lot of outreach on Twitter to people who 
clearly were involved in this market, were clearly collecting NFTs. I knew almost nothing about the NFT NFT market at that point. Um, but I was trawling Twitter and I was finding finding people who were clearly buying buying these artworks. And I started sending them messages and I started trying to tell the story of this art and build some connections. I did that for about a month and a half and ended up meeting a load of people, many of whom I didn't know, you know, their real name. I didn't know where they were based. I didn't know whether they were male or female, um, but some of them were extremely welcoming. And it really gave me a kind of base from which to, from which to, uh, you know, start working on like more, more specific kind of projects in, in NFTs. Um, and one of the collectors who had bought uh, this work uh, started speaking to me about, you know, he'd studied art history. He's, he's called Trent Elmore. He'd studied art history at college. Then he'd gone and he'd 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 basically been working in DeFi for uh, for a number of years. He recently got into NFTs, and we started speaking about, you know, the the need for infrastructure in the space that could generate uh, cultural value that would underpin and uh, support the you know the, the the monetary value that was occurring to these things it seemed like without a, a kind of real cultural world without a cultural landscape uh, these markets would just continue to kind of roll on this extremely kind of short-term cyclical basis and there would be nothing left that really told the stories and the significance of these things so we needed to to build a platform or, or at least some kind of infrastructure to, to enable that to happen. So that was when I first, that was when I really started getting involved and um, and building what what has now become uh, JPEG, which is this platform for for people to curate NFTs into exhibitions. So maybe you could talk a little bit about JPEG, how it works, and the kinds of works that you're curating for that platform? In other words, what kind of projects are you interested in and are they different from maybe some of the other projects people might otherwise associate with the NFT market? So JPEG is a registry-based protocol um, for, for the curation of NFTs. It's built on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, what it does is it gives people a a space and, and, and a platform for, for, to express their interests um, or, you know, their, their likes and dislikes of, of tokenized media. That media could be self-categorized as, as artwork. It could, it could be a collectibles project like a crypto punk. It could be a tokenized uh, piece of literature. It could be a song. It can really be whatever. If it's an NFT, then it can be curated on JPEG. Um, when the NFT sort of the first kind of NFT bull market really really took off in February, there were a lot of prominent collectors who began to call themselves curators, and it felt as though the entire concept of curation, in in the traditional sense of the world, was becoming conflated with this idea of collector, you know, collection. And of course, private collection has played an extremely important role in uh, the the emergence of uh, sort of like public art collections that we hold very dear today. And many museums originally started as private collections and whatever. So that's very important to the history of of it. But it seemed very clear that 
that it was important to give people the means to be able to curate things that they liked without necessarily having to own them. So on JPEG, you um, basically upload the, the associated data, the token data of any NFT. It sort of loads onto the, um, gets added to the, to, the, to the protocol, and then you can put it in a sort of curated context, an exhibition, we call them exhibitions, where you can then add uh, sort of curatorial notes to explain the background of the piece, why you curated the piece, how it relates to the other pieces. Um, and you can display these exhibitions through a number of different interfaces. So we try to be extremely agnostic in what is curated on our platform. We're trying to provide infrastructure uh, to allow people to express themselves in this way without saying, okay, it has to be art-based, it has to be this, or it can't be this. It's entirely open and entirely permissionless, which also means that different to traditional art curation, um, the, neither the artist nor the collector needs to give approval for the object to be curated. Potentially contentious, except for the fact that that's you know, sort of the point of NFTs is that the media associated with them exists entirely publicly, right, on these open network systems. So it's it's not really, and it shouldn't really be that big a deal to have it have it curated in somebody's exhibition. I mean, it seems like a really democratizing way of looking at what it means to appreciate, curate, and share experiences of of artwork. I mean, would I, would I be right to analogize in some way to almost like creating a playlist or something? Absolutely. It's very much like creating a playlist. Um, and if it were principally music that you were curating, which at the moment we don't really have the interface to support, though technically you could, um, it would be exactly a playlist. And But it's also very analogous to the kinds of curation that happen on a lot of a lot of web two platforms like instagram like pinterest like tumblr where people are finding uh artwork and 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 other digital media that they like and you know they're they're putting it into their own sort of private gap well public galleries uh private or public galleries sharing it with friends sharing it with the world showing their taste to people showing their expertise to people in some instances earning a quite significant reputation through doing so so it's very much the same procedure and it's somewhere between being you know a traditional art curator if you want we give people the tools and quite a kind of elegant interface through which you can create an art exhibition or if you just want to be more you know uh, casual about it you can you can just i don't know do a little thing of your 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 top ten favorite artworks or your top ten favorite crypto punks or whatever it is, and it, it doesn't have to have bells and whistles attached. Just as to give people an example, like what kinds of curation have you seen people doing that you found especially interesting or surprising? I mean, are there particular curators who've you've learned from about? you know, works you may didn't know about or making connections between works or observations about them that hadn't occurred to you? Like w- w- what kind of exciting stuff have you seen on the platform so far? So the platform is still very much in an alpha sort of stage. It's like a v- V0, really. We launched in June with a debut exhibition 
that I curated called Deep Time, which was like a demo of the platform, but was also, you know, it's recognizable as a sort of museum style or gallery style art exhibition. The idea behind Deep Time was, you know, both exploring the concept of Deep Time in its sort of geological, geological sense, um, uh, but also, and then these kind of long time spans, but also thinking about how that kind of plays against or intersects with the, the narrative, at least around blockchain, which is that these assets are kind of immutable and potentially for as long as they were operating nodes supporting the, the blockchain could exist for, for centuries, right? So it was, it was engaging with these conversations around permanence of this media in the context of kind of other ideas. We have since gotten a number of early users to prepare exhibitions for us, which we're, which we're publishing slowly and we're kind of trying to give a fully deserved context and promotion around. Uh, the first exhibition to be published on JPEG was an example of somebody curating something that they already owned. <laughs> it was actually a, uh, a, a person uh, or an, a Twitter anon called uh, 0x650b, who made a name for themselves when they so-called floor swept the CryptoPunks floor, which basically meant they bought the 101 cheapest CryptoPunks in one transaction back in, I don't know, three months ago. And they've since fractionalized this, this, this collection on uh, the fractional platform. And they use JPEG to create a sort of focus exhibition around them. And I, actually, I have to say, you know, I'm biased, but they really look great. You know, they were, they were organized, they were organized into the different sort of traits, categories and whatever. And, you know, it's easy to sort of just see the crypto punk profile picture as a thumbnail and whatever. But in this kind of quite clean and focused context, they really looked, they look really looked, uh, look very nice. Uh, and we have other people who are, who are curating their collections the works that they're really proud of. We have a, a DAO, a paperclip DAO, who are doing this sort of interesting thing where they are getting people to to offer them offer them things in exchange for something that they own. So they're basically trying to swap trade their way up the ladder towards, I think, a, a very valuable asset. Um, and they are preparing an exhibition for us of... Um, of, of, of kind of all of the most interesting works that have been offered in exchange for what they're offering. Um, and then we have a, we have a couple of artists who um, are going to be putting together shows of other artists whose work they think is important, um, underrepresented in the space, um, you know, uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to that. I personally tend to believe that artists make, make for the best or some of the best curators. So I'm really really hoping um, that we'll have those up soon as well. So maybe we could transition to talking a little bit about the fingerprints DAO as well, because I've been looking through it and it's a, a lot of really fascinating work with a lot of like big new ideas. I wonder if you could talk about the motivation for creating that, what kind of the purpose of that collection is and sort of what role you seeing you see it playing in this kind of new space and the conversation de developing around art making in this space so i was not i act as sort of uh lead 
of the curation committee of fingerprints DAO. I joined during the first round of, of member intake. I was not a founding member, but fingerprints DAO was basically uh, formed by a, a number of people who together collected 20 autoglyphs. Autoglyphs are this NFT art project that was the the project made, made by Lava Labs, who did CryptoPunks. It was their second project after CryptoPunks. They were released in uh, April of 2019, and they are historically um, and artistically uh, notable because they were the first art project to be both generated and stored entirely on the Ethereum blockchain. So subsequent to then, especially this year, there's been a lot of different people and the Artblocks platform um, has been leading this, exploring the possibilities around generative artwork, basically storing code on the blockchain, which then generates um, generates these kinds of artworks um, seeded by, seeded by the, the, the transaction of, of minting them. Um, Autoglyphs were the first, our first art project to do that. And so they, we created this DAO, this collective of people who all were, all were interested in autoglyphs and wanted to build an art collection around them. The first conversation that took place was, okay, so what is the, what criteria are we going to establish for our next acquisitions? Are we going to focus on so-called on-chain generative art? Um, or are we going to think about it differently? And in the end, in the end, what we decided on was that we would we, we sort of formulated this thesis. Autoglyphs were an artwork who could not really exist without the blockchain. Technically, you could run the code that generated them off of a blockchain and and still get the the outputs, but they really used the blockchain as as a medium in multiple senses. And so we wanted we decided that we would start collecting work which similarly used blockchain and smart contracts as a creative medium. Work that, in other words, to put it into the traditional art language, was medium specific to the blockchain. Um, so we elected a small group of people, of which which I was one, uh, to kind of lead a curation committee. We established a number of other committees who would deal with things like marketing, uh, partnerships, uh, communicate, you know, uh, community building, um, governance, and we started acquiring projects which were truly kind of blockchain blockchain specific there aren't that many of them um we've collected i think sort of six or seven uh, projects that do this uh, a, a fantastic musician and artist called deaf beef um uh, an artist called rare myers who's been working with blockchain as an artistic medium since um since i think 2013 um an artist called Harm van den Dorpel, who's been working in the digital art world as an artist for many decades, was an early pioneer of net art, has been making very innovative software-based works for a long time, who made a project um, that, that sort of mutates over time according to, uh, according to the, the sort of time of the blockchain, you know, according to the, to the, the succession of blocks being minted in the blockchain, uh, not being minted, sorry, being, um, uh, being hashed. And we, so we built this collection and that was the original focal point of our activities. Having built the collection, we're now looking, okay, how can we actually do more than that? How can we serve a sort of 
the the the, the wider space and beyond um, with our expertise, um, with some of the funds that we've raised, um, and with our general kind of ethos. And so we're trying to evolve into more of a cultural organization, I would say, a decentralized cultural organization, which is largely kind of horizontal in governance, although we do have some people who have sort of taken the lead in areas. Um, we are we did a project uh, called Avid Lines, where we worked with a, an, another artist whose work we don't collect to make very interesting derivative works that were basically based on our collection of autoglyphs. So it was exploring the potential of generative art and blockchain technology um, and at the same time sort of creating new work out of what we already had. Um, we're currently speaking to a number of other artists about other projects we can incubate. We want to organize talks programs uh, where we can host conversations about things like um, on-chain uh, data storage, uh, conservation standards, um, digital media kind of metadata standards, which are things that have been developed for a lot longer than the art world on the blockchain has existed for. Um, we want to try and organize potentially some kind of programs to support artists like residencies. So th this is the kind of stuff that we're now really turning our attention to at the same time as trying to stay on top of new developments, new artworks being made that are relevant to our collection. So I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on sort of how your collection intersects with both this kind of emerging NFT art world and a more kind of historical traditional art world. Because looking at the works in the collection, I noticed a few things right away. I mean, first, many of them were very early examples of artists engaging with, with the blockchain. I remember hearing about this several years ago and knowing people who were involved in that. And it's kind of interesting to see this coming back, you know, five, 10 years later uh, of, of, you know, this, this work reemerging. Uh, but even in kind of a longer historical context, it seems to me that, you know, there's a long history of digital art, which always sat very uncomfortably within the art world. And now all of a sudden it's sort of come into the prominence that I think a lot of people are waiting a long time for. And then also I saw this, uh, many of the artists that you're collecting seem to be doing work that's really informed by the history of conceptual art. So I see a lot of references to Saul Witt, references to Eve Klein, you know, other, you know, you know, important to Duchamp, primary important figures in, in the kind of development history of, of conceptual art, sort of, how would you characterize the vision that this organization has from your perspective, and obviously not speaking for the entire organization, but from your perspective on it in relation to the sort of aesthetic sensibilities and perspective of sort of the, the NFT market more broadly? So the question of, you know, the, um, the growing prominence and visibility and market for digital art that is being enabled by blockchain is very interesting. I There's a lot about it that I feel unqualified to speak about. I'm not a historian of digital art, principally. I, my background, uh, you know, academically, is more in writing about um, actually some of the work you were just describing, sort of 20th century conceptual work, even kind of 21st century, very contemporary conceptual work. Um, some, some of it using digital media, some of it not. Um, so, you know, I am mindful that there are real experts, some of whom are engaging with the NFT space, 
who have differing views on, on how this technology um, sort of you know relates to that longer history. Uh, what I will say is that from a market perspective, and of course it is just true that you know in the short term, um, in the present day, uh, things commanding high prices is is one way for them to gain some renown. Um, and so that there having been uh, this this very sort of booming market for digital artworks and, and generative art um, in in the last sort of eight to nine months has I think probably done good things for um, some kind of other bodies of digital artwork that have been made in the past that potentially weren't getting the recognition they were getting from from art collectors. You know, I, I, I'm getting the impression from conversations I've had that, for example, generative art, art that is gener- generated from, you know, computer um, programs, um, is uh, beginning to interest uh, traditional art collectors um, who would not have previously considered purchasing it. I think that's because they're seeing that in this NFT market, people are willing to spend a lot of money for some of this new, very new conceptual artwork, especially work on uh, being minted on uh, on art blocks. And, and they're realizing that actually, you know, there's a longer history to that and that, that this is a real and established sort of uh, uh, art form, uh, genre of artistic practice, which goes back many, many decades. Uh, the use of a computer to, to make artworks and whatever, going back to the, you know, the 60s and before um and there's this whole kind of area that they that they never explored and now that it seems like there's a a, a good way to com- basically better commodify it and buy and sell it um people are beginning to get more interested in that the success of, of generative art on the blockchain will 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 be will be very good for i think the some prominence of the, that longer history of that medium but I also think that really, if NFTs are continue to be uh, an increasingly legitimized and valid way of buying and selling a digital artwork, I think that we'll probably see a a repricing of a lot of um, sort of so called legacy um, digital artwork. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff that's always struggled for visibility on the market. I think that for as long as NFTs, you know, continue to grow in in legitimacy as a valid way to buy and sell digital artwork. You know, the more I think, the more adoption that they will they will find in the traditional art world. And I know many many parties, many different kinds of institutions and and, and commercial enterprises in that world are uh, looking to to use them in various ways. But also, I think we will see a sort of repricing of older sort of bodies of, of digital work. Um, and probably, hopefully, maybe even, you know, a greater, greater acceptance, um, of it by sort of legacy institutions as, as very sort of important, um, as very important work. And so I think that there's, there's that going on. And then in terms of, you know, the, um, the way in which the fingerprints collection specifically and the fingerprints DAO specifically kind of, um, you know, the fact that we have this, this clear way in which our work references uh, this other art history, this history of conceptual art is interesting. I find it personally interesting because as I say, my background was in uh, the study of conceptual art. And that was one of the reasons why I found NFTs interesting 
um, because they felt kind of intuitive to me in a way that I think they probably wouldn't feel to uh, some people. And I, I get the sense that they feel the same way to you, actually, um, for, for sort of the same reason. And, um, you know, knowing knowing the work of, of Duchamp or Solowitz or, you know, Yves Klein, I mean, you know, they were exploring ideas which are kind of quite adjacent to, what, to what's going on here. Um, and I think that our, I think we will continue to see a segmentation of the NFT art or of the NFT market and the NFT space into different kind of worlds. I think there will be a, an emergence of a kind of fine art world, probably, but I'm also strongly of the belief that some of the most interesting art that we will probably see emerge that using this medium is work that may not even identify itself as art. It may be at some interesting intersection of collectibles, um, of games, of, you know, uh, all of this kind of stuff, all of these different kind of sectors that exist. I think there's huge amounts of sort of untapped creative potential to explore that. Um, just generally the kinds of things you can do with blockchains and with smart contracts in terms of kind of like coordination, uh, shared ownership, um, kind of like positive sum systems, I think are very interesting um, in an artistic context. And I'm hoping that we will see more and more people explore them. I think uh, one thing that you know is clear about the Fingerprints collection is that our understanding of the blockchain medium has been quite a materialist one. It is really focused on the blockchain as this sort of entirely technical object. But anybody who has studied the history of art, studied the conversations around what a medium is in that world, also knows that the sort of concept of a medium, medium of painting, the medium of, the medium of sculpture, um, are also sort of, you know, socially and kind of culturally uh, constructed objects, right? And so... Just as important as what a blockchain is on a very technical level is, you know, um, how it actually ex exists in, in society and how it is used. And uh, thinking about medium specificity in that, in that broader way is something that I think uh, we, well, is something that we're doing right now uh, and may lead us to collect, um, you know, work like very different work to what we already have and maybe work that doesn't, doesn't reference, um, you know, conceptual artists. So in relation to what you just said, there, there's a statement on the page that I found intriguing, but didn't feel like I fully understood where it distinguishes between the smart contract and the token in relation to artistic production and kind of thinking about the role of the blockchain in art, uh, in art, production and curation. Uh, I, I wonder what that means to you, if you could help me better understand what the distinction is and why it matters. The distinction between the token and the contract? Yeah. If I recall correctly, that is really referring to the fact that most NFT art these days is a record on this distributed ledger, um, which has a um, sort of basically URL which points to a, a 
file which is stored on a server, on a decentralized server, which is not on the blockchain, um, which has a unique kind of hash. So the two, the two are the two are linked in that way. But that basically the artwork itself doesn't live on the blockchain. The artwork lives somewhere else. What lives on the blockchain is this kind of record, this kind of you know, this kind of associated ownership title or something. And um, what the distinction that we're drawing is okay, sure. But in the case of you know, you have there's a spectrum. Like there, there's that, and then there's work like what's having on art blocks, where actually a bit like a solar wit work, the instructions to recreate the work from scratch are there. Um, and in cases where those where those instructions depend on external libraries and whatever, there are some dependencies. In cases like the work of this artist, DefBeef, who we collect, who writes the code in C language, like a very low level language, minimal dependencies. Like we can have, for as long as people are, you know, there's a C compiler, you know, that, can, that, that work can be recompiled. Um, and then there is kind of, work that like some of the other pieces that we've collected which in the case of uh, a piece the piece that references Eve Klein which is by an artist named Mitchell F. Chan and is called uh, Digital Zones of Immaterial Pictorial Sensibility referencing the Eve Klein work of a similar name uh, the artwork takes the form of an actual uh, fungible uh, cryptographic token which you know obviously could not exist in any other context um, and really interrogates, uh, you know, th- that word really interrogates the kind of relationship between an artwork's material form and, and its mater- and its and its commodity, committed commodity form. Um, or in the work, in the case of uh, the mutant garden work that I that I described earlier, you know, the work mutates in time um, with with the blockchain, right? So without a blockchain, that kind of engine of change would not exist. And what's very nice about it is, of course, you know. As I said earlier, the conversation around these uh, these 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 NFT assets is all to do with their immutability. Um, but actually, this is turning it inside out and using the blockchain as an agent of change uh, and of mutability. So that's that's kind of nice turning it inside out. Um, but you know, that's where the, that's where these kind of custom smart contracts and such become artworks in their own in their own right rather than just being again a kind of a, a, a title or a, or a record of ownership which points to something that lives up lives elsewhere so i mean this is a really new medium and stuff is moving incredibly quickly in terms of sort of what people are making and where the art market is at and sort of what people are excited about but you know in my limited amount of poking around so far some of the work that you've been involved in is is really speaking to me and is exciting and sort of visionary in ways that maybe some other stuff is a little bit less so so i mean i wonder to the extent like you feel in a position to speculate sort of what do you see coming down the pike like what are you excited about now what are you thinking about what do you see as sort of the next stage of development or new areas that people are working in yeah it's a very good question. It is very difficult to keep up with what is happening. Um, it feels as though every day there's a sort of exponential rise in the number of people who are discovering this technology, um, who are learning how to use it, learning, for example, how to write a Solidity, which is the, the programming language of Ethereum, uh, and, and experimenting with building different applications for it. I, you know, there's obviously, it's very obvious that gaming 
uh, is a sector that is going to benefit hugely from the idea of NFTs uh, because that was already a world in, or, or a sector in which you had notional sort of ownership, in-game ownership of different properties, right, of assets. And now people can really own those things. And potentially um, with a kind of interoperable uh, system, uh, move those assets from one game to another or, or, or similar. Um, so that, that is, that is a very interesting area. Um, there are lots of experiments taking place in the intersection between, uh, NFTs and some of these decentralized finance uh, protocols, you know, using NFTs as lending collateral, uh, using NFTs as, um, assets that can be kind of fractionalized, um, I've seen, you know, I've seen some very creative applications there. Um, I think those are areas that probably carry uh, quite significant kind of uh, risk from a, like a lot of the decentralized finance stuff does. Um, so they're trying to find ways to be compliant with regulators and such. Um, and, um, and then there is what I say, which is, I think, like, I was having a conversation with an artist today who's actually a traditional, it's like a digital artist, but he comes from a completely traditional art background, um, hasn't made blockchain work, but, um, you know, this, this, this whole kind of, I don't know, blurring together of these different forms, as I mentioned earlier, I think people are just really at an early stage of understanding what digital ownership means. Um, it's inherently sort of quasi like skeuomorphic quality, which is that actually what was radical about digital media was that you kind of couldn't own it. And in an art context, it was that, you know, it could proliferate kind of infinitely and there wasn't this kind of commodified singular entity. Um, but then, you know, when you do reimpose the kind of bounds of ownable uh, kind of objecthood onto things, uh, you can begin to kind of, find ways to create like hybrid realities that do things that were previously only possible digitally and things that were only possible physically and explore with kind of explore that combination. So um, that's where I think it's going, which is very broad, is <laughs> very broad. But I, you know, I just think that the best is really, uh, yet to come i think that there's a a um huge number of extremely extremely talented uh, practitioners artists musicians who haven't yet found this and um who can do really interesting things with it and what's what's nice and interesting about the crypto world is it does feel like one big industry really at this stage it's still small enough that everybody uh, kind of really involved in it knows one another or knows what one another is up to and so you do get these people who really come from finance backgrounds or from purely tech backgrounds who are you know interfacing with and collaborating people with people who come from you know fine art backgrounds uh, or music backgrounds and that's something that you don't find anywhere else at least at this moment in time so it's a kind of interesting uh, counterculture hyper-capitalistic counterculture which is interesting in and of itself um and but i'm not going to make any kind of specific predictions for what's going on 
Well, Sam, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today. This was immensely helpful. Uh, and I just want to, you know, encourage listeners to go check out the different platforms that you're involved with, JPEG and Fingerprints DAO. They're fantastic. You should follow them on Twitter if you're on Twitter. Um, and really immerse yourself in this new kind of art making because I think it's exciting and uh, really something that's going to be even more important in the future. Thank you, Brian. It was great chatting. Thank you.